You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Women on the Line, a national feminist current affairs program produced by women and gender non-conforming people at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne on Wurundjeri and Bunurong country of the Kulin Nations and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Iris Lee. Israel is an apartheid state founded on the ongoing genocide of Palestinian people. What are the ways brand Israel tries to cover up its bloody settler colonial structure? What is art washing? This week, we hear about the campaign to end the troubling partnership between the Sydney Festival and the Israeli state. We hear from one person involved in a collective effort, Palestinian author and academic Dr. Randa Abdul-Fatah, first introducing herself. Hi, well, thanks so much for having me on your program. I always love speaking to um, 3CR because it's always an amazing platform for marginalised voices in particular. So thank you for this opportunity. So, yeah, so I'm um, a a Palestinian. My father was born in Palestine um, and we have a home in Palestine, which we are unable to return to. And this is what drives and and energises my passion for fighting for a free Palestine. It's something I've been involved in since I was a teenager. I've um, written books. I write books for children and young adults. And I'm also working at Macquarie University researching Islamophobia, anti-racism and social movements. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Randa. So in terms of the campaign... Would you first like to tell listeners about the extensive groundwork in the campaign? Because I think that's missed in a lot of the mainstream media reporting while also explaining the campaign to listeners. Sure. So um, it all started actually in early December when we were, um, it, it was flagged to us by somebody who had come across the Sydney Festival website and seen the Israeli um, logo, is the word Israel in rainbow colours on the festival and um, a little bit, you know, of digging um, on the festival website found that it that Israel was actually um, a star partner. So we um, we have someone called Dr. Michael Mohammed Ahmed, who is um, an incredibly, you know, prolific and acclaimed author and director of Sweatshop um, Literacy Movement in Western Sydney, had been invited at that time to be on the board of Sydney Festival, and he. Um, spoke to them about this and we quickly mobilised um, a group of Sydney um, and, you know, Melbourne and other activists, Palestinian, um, Arab, First Nations activists and um, people concerned about what was happening, people connected to arts organisations, artists and um, academics and sought to reach out to the board about this partnership to find out what it was and to call on them to divest. and. I really want to make clear that we we did not want this to go ahead. Um, it wasn't about trying to create some kind of spectacular campaign. Um, it was really, really a very difficult thing to see because we are from a community of artists who have been struggling for two years in the time of COVID, who at the almost 11th hour had you know, performances um, scheduled for the festival. It was, you know, late December, early December, you know, approaching the summer holidays. And this was almost like the worst possible thing that you can put in front of an artist, the, po- the possibility that they might need to withdraw from a festival that should be supporting them, that should be aware that 
a festival needs to provide cultural safety and that they were put in this really um, untenable position. We had conversations, um, you know, several conversations with the board via email and on the phone. And I want to stress again, this was a very grassroots, very intersectional, intergenerational coalition of voices, decentralised and, and really come, came from a space of community organising um, and care. It ended, um, it culminated in a few meetings with the board. I attended one of those meetings um, in December. Um, and at that meeting, we, uh, and I was there with you know, Dr. Michael Mohammed Ahmed, um, uh, Fahad Ali, who's a Palestinian academic and also um, part of this campaign, a leader of this campaign, um, Jemana Bayer, Dr. Jemana Bayer, an academic, Alyssa Ch um, Chidiak, who is, um, has been, you know, a staple in the community artist, um, you know, um, seen since the, the 1970s. And um, we, we put to them in very, very, you know, very upfront that this was painful, this was dehumanising, that a festival um, could, you know, in 2021, that we actually needed to be sitting down with what a, a festival that postures as progressive, as, you know, diverse and inclusive. And we needed to make a case for why it was wrong to partner with an apartheid state. And we all put, you know, our case forward um, it, it became apparent during that discussion that the decision um, to partner, to take this sponsorship money for um, a performance called Decadence um, was actually made in May this year, no, last year, May 2021, at the same time that Gaza was being bombed by Israel. And so the, it was not just the cognitive dissonance of a decision being made at that time, but it really spoke to the cynical and sort of disingenuous performativity of the festival who, you know, profess to be um, doing acknowledgements of country and, you know, committed and to, to inclusivity but would, would, would not understand how painful and, and dehumanising it is to partner with a settler colonial apartheid state. Um, we, you know, sought that, a decision from them. We asked them to divest. We spoke at length about the impact that this would have on all artists, the financial impact, the position that they would be put in. And um, eventually they wrote back to us shortly, shortly afterwards and um, conveyed that they um, would not be divesting. And since then, it's been all under just um, about three weeks, you know, and I want to point out this is, you know, three weeks of constant campaigning at the grassroots community level over the summer, and we've seen just the most unprecedented historic response to our boycott call. Women on the line. We've had more than 100 people withdraw from the festival, which we are told globally um, in terms of cultural boycotts is historic. You know, it's the first time it's actually happened um, in Palestinian activism. That's a one third of the program. So about 40 events have been disrupted. We've actually had, um, you know, global attention on this campaign, uh, you know, amplified in international media. And even the um, uh, PACB, which is the founding member of the Palestinian Boycott, Divestment Sanctions um, National Committee, um, issued you know, a public statement saluting the artists who have withdrawn. So we are really humbled and energised by the the support and solidarity. It's truly grounded in an intersectional, intergenerational grassroots movement. And I really want to pay particular attention to the fact that it was First Nations artists um, and, you know, people of colour who responded almost um, without hesitation to that call, even though the financial um, impact, you know, is so dire. 
in, in some circumstances, um, and that, that needs to be acknowledged and, and, and really validated. Yeah, for sure. That says a lot about uh, race, class and gender in terms of who is represented in supporting the call to boycott that has been made. And in terms of talking a bit more about art washing, um, this is a very intentional thing that Israel does. Would you like to talk about how you understand art washing? Yeah, it's absolutely something that plugs into part of his brand Israel, which is um, a way that Israel uses um, the arts to really as a shield for its crimes against humanity. And it uses it very strategically and cynically to project an image of itself. And we know that this image um, and that this brand does sit in the sort of imagination of a lot of um, Israel's supporters, but also among a lot of progressive except Palestine. And I want to talk about that soon. But um, in terms of art washing, so it's this brand that Israel is progressive, that it, Israel is um, friendly to the queer community, that Israel um, is, you know, a feminist utopia, <laughs> that Israel is um, a human rights um you know, bastion among the barbaric Middle East, you know, the so-called only democracy that celebrates, you know, diversity and inclusivity. Um, and, you know, the way that Israel does this is that it markets this sort of image through um, through its, you know, artistic associations, it's the artistic works that it supports and sponsors and funds. Um, all the while it does this in order to, um, you know, hide um, its crimes and conceal its crimes. And um, one of the things that we have been also pointing out is that Israel not only uses art as a shield for its crimes, but it actively and violently attacks Palestinian artists, artistic and cultural institutions. Um, in Palestine, it um, requires loyalty oaths um, for Palestinians, uh, you know, Israeli Arabs, um, and so it puts them in this incredibly um, moral um, compromised position whereby in order to secure state funding um, under certain, you know, arrangements and grants, they need to make this loyalty oath. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's really about us exposing how any sponsorship from the state of Israel is blood money, it's dirty money. And we made this very clear to the board in our meeting. We said to them, it doesn't matter what you think about Israel. It doesn't matter whether you, uh, you know, whether you regret this decision, whether you're feeling compromised um, about what's happened. Uh, if you can, if you do not divest, you will be used by Israel as a win. It will be seen as a victory for Israel um, that we that you refused the boycott call and you will be legitimating the state of Israel. And that's what we've seen. We've seen um, the, the anti-boycott lobby, the Zionist lobby, use the decision by Sydney Festival as, as a way that to say, look, they didn't cower to the, the boycott call. They support us. And we made that very clear to this so-called progressive board that you will be co-opted. Your decision will be co-opted in service of a settler apartheid state. Many of the artists who withdrew in solidarity with the boycott call now have their shows and exhibitions running independently of the Sydney Festival. 
A key call of the campaign is to support these artists. You can find more information at Boycott Sydney Festival on Instagram. Across these stolen lands now called Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line, highlighting a range of gender non-conforming and women voices, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. You have been listening to Palestinian author and academic Dr. Randa Abdul Fattah speaking on the campaign to boycott Sydney Festival in solidarity with Palestine. The Sydney Festival is complicit in artwashing through its partnership with the Israeli Embassy. We continue the conversation. Why do you think the board is stubbornly continuing to ally with Israel over $20,000 sponsorship? Um, is it about settler colonial loyalty? It's kind of um, a question that we keep asking ourselves and as more and more information is drip-fed, either in the background or through the media, um, our answer changes. At first, I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations we've had trying to understand how this board, which is chaired by David Kirk, who took a stand against apartheid South Africa when he was um, part of the All Blacks, New Zealand, a board that's comprised of people we know as progressive, um, and I don't even I'm going to put that in you know quote in quotation marks. Um, we've been baffled at first. We thought, oh, you know, do they understand? Like, do they actually? Is it a contractual issue? But we know that people can get out of contracts, and organisations do all the time. You know, what is it? What is it? Is it the fear of the Israeli Zionist lobby? Because we know that that is a that is a real concern we know what happens the pressure and you know we've we've tried to deliberate about what it is um this morning i listened to it what i want to say is we tried to give them the benefit of the doubt in the beginning because it was truly baffling that we had to make this argument to the board of sydney festival an iconic cultural institution in 2021 that that for us was really what made us think how on earth is this happening. I mean, I can understand if we were doing this with a right-wing, you know, conservative organisation, but this is the progressive except Palestine scene and the dynamics of it and the reality of it. What we what we think is a, a few things that, and this has been um, something that has been revealed, you know, in a drip, drip feed kind of way, that it was the decision of one board member, that that Olivia Ansel, the director who. Um, you know, who made that decision, it seems to be that that decision that they're now sort of pinning it on her, which makes you think about whether or not that's just um, an excuse out of accountability as a board, because on the one hand, they do take responsibility that this is a board decision to stay on, um, to keep the money. And on the other hand, they are trying to throw one particular person under the bus. So we need to know a lot more about that. Uh, There's also, but, but, but what has sort of What's really infuriating now is that there is this sort of new narrative that's being played out. And this morning, David Kirk's interview with Hamish MacDonald and Radio National um, was really infuriating to see that he was peddling this idea that artists have been bullied and been subjected to unacceptable sort of battering on social media. Um, You know, not only does this take away from the agency of the artists, but again, it's it's kind of deflecting accountability away from the board in in understanding that it has made this decision and it needs to um, step up and, and face that decision that it's made. We have, like you said, about settler colonialism, we have said this over and over again, that you cannot, 
you can, I mean, if you look at the Sydney Festival website, as soon as you open the festival website, you, you click on it, you're immediately taken to a pop-up page with an acknowledgement of country. And it's so, you know, it's just, it's really disturbing and offensive to see how, you know, this idea of Indigenous sovereignty is co-opted over and over again by progressives when it serves them. And they co-opt that language and that, that posture that they are about acknowledging country. You cannot do that if you are taking money from a settler apartheid regime. You cannot square that circle. Yeah, for sure. How do you think people maintain a dissonance around so-called progressive except Palestine? Ultimately, the more I encounter people who are progressive except Palestine, the more I realise they're not progressive at all. It is a front um, and that they actually deeply, that there's a deep anti-racism because the more I listen to the excuses, people expose themselves in the end. You, ha- you, cannot, you cannot be progressive except Palestine unless you are willing to discount and dismiss the, the trauma and testimonies and lived experiences of Palestinians who are telling you, who are providing you with real-time evidence of their dehumanisation, of their murder, of their, you know, subjection, subjecting, being subjected to apartheid. You cannot do that and still tell me that you care about humanity or that you are an anti-racist because there's something fundamentally um, dismissive about telling me that you support Palestinians and at the same time taking money from a settler colony or being silent about the oppression of Palestinians um, but vocal about every other kind of oppression. Uh, That, to me, speaks volumes about the integrity of your so-called anti-racism politics. And we see we we've seen those cracks um, in this campaign that people who we, we think should know better have actually exposed themselves either by tone policing Palestinians and, and again that's racist. It is racist to tell and oppress people speak more politely, play into respectability politics, and then maybe we will listen to you. You know that is fundamentally a racist proposition. The idea that you have the right as an outsider to tell and oppress people how they should resist oppression and injustice. Um, that to me shows also a fundamental, you know, misunderstanding, fundamental dismissal of what it means to, to, to be an ally. And that has really opened the lid on what solidarity actually means as an ethical practice. Absolutely. Um, in terms of the Palestinian-led boycott, divestment and sanctions movement, it's been going since the early 2000s, towards demands to end Israeli apartheid. And with prominent campaigns here, especially last year, and also I've seen in the UK having some success shutting down Israeli arms manufacturer Albert Systems, at least one site, who were also present in Australia. Uh, why do you think there's been an upsurge in activity around BDS? That's an excellent question. And I think it really is um, this this campaign and BDS is taking place at a very particular time and it's a a particular moment which has been galvanised by the Black Lives Matter movement and which we're seeing now, um, the power of grassroots organising and transnational movement building. And and we're seeing the language of anti-colonialism, anti-racism, you know, in a liberatory sort of anti-settler colonial framework. We're seeing these, what used to be, 
so-called considered so-called radical language, we're actually seeing it shift into something that is a lot more mainstream. And we are seeing that mobilization is happening at a grassroots level um, at, in an intersectional way and not just an intersectional buzzword white women's feminism kind of you know <laughs> um, way, but an actual appreciation of what intersectionality means when you are trying to build a movement that takes into consideration all the axes of power and all these structures um, of violence. And I think that really has made all the difference in our campaign. Um, it, it's an understanding that when we're talking about Palestine, we're not just when our campaign is, is on Palestine, it's not just about Palestine. That's what the Zionist lobby um, wants people to think this is a this isn't your kind of problem here. Um, this is a problem in the Middle East. It has nothing to do with the West. What we're talking about here is justice across intersecting, um, you know, structures of violence. And we are on stolen land here. We are on, you know, sovereign, unceded Indigenous land that was stolen, and that drives our um, that drives everything about how we are you know, running this campaign, a, a, a genuine understanding that we are dispossessed from Palestine, but we are on land, that is, we are on, on Indigenous land, and that we need to constantly think about our responsibilities towards First Nations people here in the way that we um, run this campaign. And I think that that has made all the difference, that it means that you're collectively building communities and relationships. It's not just a short-term um, you know, it's not just a signature on a petition and that's it. It's a relationship. And once you build relationships, you build movements. And that's something that, you know, that, that's unstoppable. Indeed. And definitely what you have been saying about relationships is coming through very strongly and everything you've said and how it's grounded in intergenerational communities and struggle. Um, in terms of the backlash, there has been vitriolic pages in the press uh, like condemning the boycott, and with even and like the mainstream media has uphold um, endless spaces to this, and we've even seen a shadow minister in New South Wales, Walt Seekhord, who sits on the New South Wales Parliamentary Friends of Resor- Friends of Israel, calling for the outlawing of BDS. What does this all say about whiteness in the colony? Oh, it says so much. <laughs> But it, it talks about, it, it says the first thing is the fragility of whiteness. Um, any sort of resistance by people in the margins is immediately met with the violence of being shut down, uh, the violence of being dismissed and contemptuously, patronisingly told that your movement um, is, you know, illegitimate. And the knee-jerk reaction to always respond with the power of the state and you know we've seen that um in in sort of we've always seen that with resistance movements but in particular when it comes to this movement we have you know this we, we are constantly told as palestinians you know why don't you protest peacefully if only palestinians understood how to protest peacefully and and i just want to say that people who are living under occupation have the right to resist in you know, in whatever way they see fit. Um, and so, you know, that, that means that there is legitimacy under international law for nonviolent and violent resistance. And I know that a lot of people's um, eyes are going to pop out of their head at me saying that, 
but it is a that is a fact that that people have the right to resist. This campaign is fundamentally one based on nonviolent principles of solidarity, and so you can see there that even when we deliver what whiteness demands that we do, uh, it immediately retreats again to delegitimizing and to saying it's still not good enough. And you and and that ultimately shows that it doesn't matter how you resist whether it's aggressively or politely, whether it's violently or non-violently, a white colony is not going to accept that and will use whatever means necessary or at their disposable to shut that down. Yeah, definitely. In terms of the campaign, what groups would you recommend listeners to follow, including wider anything pro-Palestine? Yeah, sure. So... Well, we've got the um, BDSA, so the Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions Australia, um, on social media. We, the beauty about this movement is it's quite decentralised and so we've got individuals working collectively on the campaign um, rather, and we're all, you know, ra- rather than it being part of any, like, central organisation. Women on the Line. Any final thoughts? I guess I just want to end by saying that I really want to affirm again that this campaign is taking place on stolen land and that as a Palestinian, I am here because they are there and that I will do everything and we will do everything that we can to um, fight for justice here and to understand that this is an in, a, a, an intersecting struggle that is based on you know these local and global structures of violence and that we will never stop fighting for um, Indigenous peoples' um, rights here and that we do so, you know, in our campaign with that understanding um, and accountability as well. That was Dr. Randa Abdul-Fattah, a Palestinian woman, author and academic, speaking on the campaign to boycott Sydney Festival in solidarity with Palestine. Despite a powerful grassroots campaign, the festival has refused to end its partnership with the Israeli embassy, and so it is complicit in the art washing of Israel. You can find more about and be a part of this ongoing staunch campaign on social media. Search Boycott Sydney Festival and let the Sydney Festival board know your opinion and boycott the festival. Also check out Randa for more of her writing online. And if you're not already familiar, check out BDS Australia. Finally, many of the artists that were true in solidarity at great personal cost to themselves now have their shows and exhibitions on, independent of the festival. Campaigners are calling for everyone to get behind these artists. Check out Boycott Sydney Festival on Instagram for more details. I'll provide links in the podcast show notes. Women on the Line is a national feminist current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women and gender non-conforming broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded at www.3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And make sure to subscribe to us on your favourite podcasting app. I'm Iris Lee. Tune in to Women on the Line next week on your community radio station.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.